that's a really interesting comment is that them being that vulnerable opened your heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, maybe just the essence of this whole idea of vulnerability as strength. It's, it opened your heart to that person. You felt compassion when they were vulnerable. Yeah. And I, I think people underestimate how often that is likely to happen is that they don't, they don't trust that that's how it's going to turn out, but it's so common how often that is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. That when yeah. somebody is vulnerable, your heart opens. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Revealing is Healing, Embracing Vulnerability. Mm, it's a good one. I have a conversation with returning guest and my very close friend, Greg Lavoie. I think this is a topic that's getting more and more traction recently of the power of vulnerability. And I love the track that we take on it. We tell personal stories between us as friends, um, our own stories in our partnership and relationships. And we're not talking about the vulnerability that is fragile and, and about weakness. As Greg states, in his Psychology Today blog, Revealing is Healing, the Power of Vulnerability, he says, I'm talking about the kind of vulnerability that's life-affirming rather than life-threatening. The volitional acts of vulnerability, the choice to show your cards, to lower your defenses, and allow yourself to be seen and known even in the face of your fears of rejection, betrayal, and losing control. Mm -hmm. So Greg has been a guest on several of my past podcasts, but those of you that are first-time listeners, I'll tell you a little bit more about Greg. He is an author, a workshop facilitator on topics of passion, calling, and purpose. He has two outstanding books that he's written, Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, and Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life. And Greg is a former behavioral specialist at USA Today and a regular blogger for Psychology Today. And folks, before we get on to the conversation, at the end of the podcast, in my outro, I'm going to have a new announcement that I'm really excited about regarding my podcast. So stay tuned for that. Don't fast forward it to just listen to that part because this is a really good conversation between me and Greg. But make sure that you listen to the announcement. It's an important one. Alrighty, folks, here we go. Revealing is healing, embracing vulnerability with Greg Lavoie. Let's talk about it. Alrighty, alrighty, my man, I am... Again, so glad that uh, you wanted to do another podcast with me. I love our conversations that we are setting time to go ahead and rap about. 
cool subjects. And yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're not in our cemetery that we usually do. You know, <laughs> people, we usually spend time in this really cool cemetery in Asheville and contemplate life, but we're no longer living in the same city. So mm, we got right. we got to do what we got to do. Yep. So vulnerability, yeah. Mm. I'm I'm so glad that we're doing it because our relationship has taken many avenues with trust and vulnerability. But um, that really rang to you. That was one of the ones that you said, you know, I've been writing about this and I've been mm. really, this is a subject. So w- tell me why it's been so, so up for you. In, yeah. In I think partly because I'm in a new relationship and a relationship with a capital R, one that feels like it's going to be a big one. And I wanted to open myself up earlier than usual to really drop into depth. And so quickly I was confronted with the whole notion of being vulnerable and what it means to be vulnerable and what it means not to be vulnerable, to protect myself and be armored up. And I just really wanted to drop in more quickly, more deeply, and start sharing vulnerabilities just because I know that vulnerability and trust are intimately uh, related. And I wanted to build trust and depth quickly. So that's just been on my radar. Hmm. In your experience, the more that you're sharing your vulnerability, are you getting that back also? Absolutely. See, that's part of the that's part of the equation, it seems to me, of vulnerability, is that by lowering my drawbridge, I'm encouraging my partner to do the same. Yeah. Um, not everybody will go there just because you do, but it definitely seems to give other people, and not just in the relationship I'm referring to, my partnership, but in friendships and all kinds of relationships, it seems to give people permission, doesn't it? Yeah, to yeah. respond to re respond in kind. Exactly. It's like the feeling of if I know that it's creates safety to be on the receiving end of somebody's vulnerability, then there's a possibility that I'll also get to experience it if I put it out. Right. Yeah. I mean you're in an odd situation though, because being a therapist, people are coming to you um with their deepest vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. But you don't get a chance to respond in kind because of this this arrangement. Yeah, I don't get to respond as, but if I if I still keep the agreement and understanding that I'm here to take care of your feelings, you're not mm-hmm. here to take care of mine. Mm-hmm. If I know that my disclosure is not about having somebody take care of mine, but I can still be vulnerable mm-hmm. without that expectation then I think it works well. So there's times that I am vulnerable and some things that I disclose, some losses that I've had in my life or areas that people are going that I can say, I understand this. And I do it so that that they feel known, yeah. not just for me to disclose. Right. You know, I you'll probably appreciate this. I was on the phone a couple of days ago with an old friend of mine here in California, who during her wedding ceremony, now this goes back 30 years or more, during her wedding ceremony, she and her husband exchanged what they called shadow masks. As part of the ceremony, they 
had a process with a, a mutual friend of theirs, and she kind of walked them through a process of literally making the masks with, uh, I don't know what those those white strips that you put on your head to make a mask. Can't remember what the artistic process is called. Paper mache. Um, yeah, maybe it's paper mache, something like that. And and then they designed these masks to express each one of their own shadows. And at the wedding ceremony, they held them up for everybody to see. They circled around each other seven times and they handed each other their shadow masks by way of saying, I acknowledge that what I'm saying I do to here in this ceremony is not just your light, but your shadow. Mm. And I just thought that was a fabulous and communal way of expressing the power of vulnerability that what we are saying to one another by entering into relationships, at least those that are at depth is our vulnerabilities, our quote shortcomings, our flaws, our faults, our fears and insecurities. And that that is part of saying yes to a relationship. And I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There are times that I tell couples in, in therapy, instead of committing to I'll love you forever and all of these things that people do, let's say in a wedding ceremony, I have them to actually say, I commit to getting angry with you. I commit to being agitated. I commit to wow. having some resentment. And they look at me and they go, no, no. I'm like, no, no, go ahead and do it because that's what's going to happen. And just say that that's what's going to, that that's what you are going to do. Now you could talk about when you do that, what are your commitments to move out of that? Mm. And so it's kind of like oh, lay it out, lay it yeah. out, be real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I understand why people don't want to lay it out. I mean, I, I'm just going back to sort of what I think of as the definition of vulnerability, which is just the capacity to be wounded. And does it come from a word of that? Ooh, that's a great question. I should know that, but I don't, mm. but I think that may be a good working definition yeah. is just vulnerability is the capacity to get wounded and a wounded animal doesn't stand much of a chance out there in a survival of the fittest world. So at some level, I think we have a basic biological fear of weakness and, and a universal fear. And, you know, we equate vulnerability with weakness and submission and danger. And, you know, conversely, we're going to worship strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to get acted out pretty much any arena that humans enter personal, political, War, it's certainly at the core of war to some degree, definitely romantic relationships, is the putting up of walls around. And, and then what you're doing is you're courting the classic double-edged sword around walls is that, yes, they keep others out, but they also keep us in. Mm -hmm. And so then we've got to navigate that, you know, this whole thing about defending, defending ourselves, defending our walls. And, you know, I remember reading Diane Ackerman. She wrote a fabulous book called A Natural History of Love. And this is a quote from her, which I think really captures a lot of this. She says, you're equipping someone with freshly sharpened knives, stripping naked, then inviting him or her to stand close. What could be scarier? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we come to the table with a lot of barricades and barriers and boundaries around ourselves to protect our 
you know, our soft underbellies. I mean, most kids, when they grew up, when, you know, their parents came and asked them questions about, you know, did you break this lamp? And kids mm. were like, yes, you know, I did. Being vulnerable, they didn't, they usually didn't get, oh, thank you so much for telling me the truth. Well, they get, they get punished or whatever. And yeah. I think we learn at, at a young age is like, it, it, there's not a lot of rewards to be vulnerable. Mm. And so what, what did you learn about vulnerability growing up? I learned about if I, if I was vulnerable in some way that my parents might not be able to emotionally handle my vulnerability, that I had to then take care of them emotionally at uh, times, uh, or that they didn't understand and they couldn't hold my vulnerability. So I grew up with kind of like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be met with my, with my vulnerability, or I disappointed them in who they thought I was you know, the good boy, and you don't do that, or you don't think that, you don't uh -huh. think those thoughts, or you wouldn't do that. So I didn't want to break down my image of who they thought of me for, for love and approval. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. yeah, the love and approval. That makes a lot of sense. And so those mm -hmm. are the kind of things, and I've got my own versions, and everybody's got their versions of the lessons that they learned about how safe it was to be yourself, to express yourself, especially those expressions our parents didn't want to hear, our loudness, our messiness, our bluntness, our whatever. And that's what we bring to the table when we enter adult relationships, is all those messages that say, this is not necessarily a safe thing to do. You're better off just keeping your cards close to your chest. Keeping the bathroom door closed and not open. Bathroom door? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. Well, a lot of times I remember... The first time, I mean, Rainbow and I, we lived with each other, you know, right off the bat. And I just remember she went into the bathroom like that first or second day that I met her. And she kept like the bathroom door open while we were, she was on the toilet while we were talking. And I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> it, 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 isn't this supposed to wait for like months to do this? And, you know, maybe her Europe, you know, there was a European part of yeah, her. She, she so. said, you know, my dad would always be on the toilet and keep the door open around his kids. And. But I thought like, wow, we're breaking, we're breaking the barrier right there. Yeah. The vulnerability yeah, of, you know, bodily, bodily sounds. Yeah. yeah. That's under the too much information category, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I just want to clarify this just in terms of my contribution to this conversation is I don't want to suggest that vulnerability is always a great thing. I think part of what we're after in this conversation is the ways in which vulnerability is a strength rather than a weakness. But I don't want to give short shrift to the fact that a lot of people have been wounded and sometimes really badly by their vulnerability. And there are some times when a certain amount of invulnerability is probably the, the better decision. I mean, here's a, this is a gross example, but if, if your castle were being attacked by an enemy army and you have breach in the walls, yeah, that kind of vulnerability would be weakness. But I don't think that's the kind of conversation you and I are having today. It's This is not about warfare. No, I, I mean, and I sold my castle already. So I you did. Oh, yes, I hope I you got a good price for it, people. <laughs> um, but, you know, even if you think that relationship is, is, is a battleground, yeah. which um, some people do, and I grew up with, with that because I had parents who were warring with one another in court literally sometimes you, um, or, or an ax to the door, an ax to the door. Yes. Yes. I don't know yeah. if we should tell our listeners what that <laughs> refers to a literal ax to the door folks. Yeah. You, can, you can picture that yourself. Yeah, yeah. That was my stepfather, not my father right. just to defend my dad. But, but yeah, to some degree, 
dead bolts on the door is a good idea in some circumstances, but I don't think that's the kind of conversation we're actually mm. after this afternoon is this is about the kind of vulnerability that's actually life affirming rather than life threatening. You know, this is about, I think the, the choice to show your cards and lower your defenses. And like you said, allow yourself to be seen and known even in the face of all your anxieties about rejection and betrayal and losing control and anything else. I just think it's the, it's the kind of vulnerability that builds trust and builds safety and uh, drops people into the, just the deeper reaches of relationships. So they're not staying up on the, the surface, guarding themselves with walls all the time. Yeah. I just remember when I lived at Esalen and, and you know, the open seats where people would watch somebody work with a facilitator, some mm. issue that was coming up for them. Mm. There was a level that happened sometime in it, you know, it would last for an hour sometimes that people got to be so vulnerable mm. of what was coming out from them, whether it was their shadow or their hurt, that there was a moment I actually felt love. I fell in love mm. with that person. Mm. And I almost fell in love with everyone that that would express their vulnerability because it's the it's the essence of truth in some way and so yeah. it's like falling in love with truth not so much maybe the person and it and it gave me permission when i saw somebody working and putting out their vulnerability and you know crying with you know their snot coming out and whatever uh. it was that it gave me permission to be more truthful in that vulnerability. So, but that's that's really interesting comment. Is that them being that vulnerable opened your heart? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's I think maybe just the essence of this whole idea of vulnerability as strength. It's it opened your heart to that person. You felt compassion when they were vulnerable. Yeah. And I I think people underestimate how often that is likely to happen is that they don't, they don't trust that that's how it's going to turn out, but it's so common how often that is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. That when yeah. somebody is vulnerable, your heart opens. I, I know the same thing from the times I've done personal growth workshops is when people stand up there on stage and, and bear their souls. If nothing else, the judgments that I had about that person before they even, I even knew who they were melt away. Yeah something about that that's really true yeah and that happened in, in in our relationship just a few years ago when you were contemplating and decided to move to move to california from Asheville. Mm -hmm. you want to speak to that because there was that was i think a moment where some of my spontaneous vulnerability came out in a way that solidified our friendship on a deep level mm. Well, why don't you why don't you share how that was? Well, I, I remember I remember I knew that you were dating other cities, as you put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I but I didn't know that you were going to be exclusive so fast in, in oh. some way. And I remember you telling me that that you decided that that you're moving, and I, I so many things. We were sitting in our cemetery, leaning against uh, the tombstones, and I remember thinking okay i want to really support my friend i love him this i want the best for him i want his happiness so i'm gonna mm -hmm. just really hold that space 
And then you said, to, this is what it was. Then, then I said, well, when are you going to do that? And you said, well, probably in November. And it was like, that was like the next month. And I was like, what the fuck? I got what? angry. Like, yeah. I was like, I what are you that. doing, man? You can't do that. Not that soon. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's right. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready. And that, that vulnerability to tell you how much my, our friendship meant to me that mm. like, you can't leave me this soon. Mm. I know your response I get back was you embraced my anger, sadness, because yeah. I imagine it showed you how much I cared. Yeah, that that is part of what it communicated is it mm -hmm. showed showed me the depth of my relationship with you. And that in a sense, this was a kind of a heart blow Yeah, to lose a deep friendship and and sooner than you expected. Right. Yeah. But it also gave you a chance to just say what was going on inside you and not have to hold it back. Well, I think that was, that was a beautiful learning experience was I didn't just have to hold the space for you. It was like, this is our, our relationship. Yeah. And I, so I get to say my piece of it. And I, I think I remember saying, you know, I'll get over it. I'll love you. I, no problem. But like right now I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, and that's right. You know, that's yeah. so interesting is that I think there's a reason that when we, feel love for someone or you know even like adoration for someone we talk about having a soft spot mm. i've got a soft spot for them and what that says to me is that we we kind of intuitively equate love with vulnerability in order to love this is kind of what we're telling ourselves we need to have a soft spot or i need to acknowledge that we have a soft spot and i think in that sense Strength is not necessarily power. Not if you had mustered up the strength to push down that emotion that you were feeling or those emotions, you know, right. um, not if it's the kind of strength you would have had to muster to cover up your soft spot and not show me that you were pissed and upset. Mm -hmm. and, and I just think that's, uh, you know, that was to your credit that you, you um, marshaled the courage to just say how you really felt and and your credit that you let me have that space because I remember you going oh you know like you looked at me like <laughs> you know because you knew what behind it was sadness and you didn't push back and so I could feel the the pissed off anger turn into sadness because I remember feeling it and tears came you know and, right. and so you 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 were able to hold that that space and not meet it with uh, agitation yeah mm. which I think is one reason it might be important to really kind of feel out who's on the receiving end of me expressing vulnerability, whatever it happens to be an apology or um, some shortcoming or a mistake, admitting to a mistake, being the first one to declare your love for somebody else. Uh, I don't know, even admitting uh, infidelity or something, you just really suss out who's on the receiving end of this conversation. Is this a good time? is this the right person to do this with? How am I going to do it? Because I think you need to kind of measure out, um, meter out your vulnerability and not just do a data dump on somebody, not just a, um, you know, spilling the guts, uh, airing the dirty laundry kind of a share with somebody if they're not amenable or available for it, because right. then you're just going to get rejected in a sense. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for not getting that, that close response of more. Connection. Right. Right. 
I, I remember this, when okay. I was with Randy, what, there was, you know, many times I felt um, from testing my vulnerability with Rainbow, but one, one comes to mind some years after we were married, I got a letter from the IRS and it basically said, you know, you fucked up, you owe us money. And I prided myself in kind of like being this provider, like, honey, I got it. You don't have to worry about the finances. And, and I remember she was sitting up in bed and, and I walked to her and sat on the edge of the bed. And I just looked at her go, honey, I just got to tell you, like, I really messed up and I really messed up. And I, and I told her, you know, what would happen and feeling so vulnerable to say this. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you messed up. And I was like, that was not the fucking response that I wanted. And then she looked at me and goes, yeah, people, you messed up. It's okay. You got to mess things up in life. You got to mess it all up so it moves around and we can make sense of it. And I was like, oh, thank you, baby. Like, thank you yeah. so much. And then like a week later, I got another letter from the IRS saying, oops, our bad. You're good. You know, You're no kidding. problem. <laughs> yeah. But it was this, it was this sweet moment of being accepted, you know, that I was coming with vulnerability and whatever history we had or the timing or the way that it was really received in a, in a beautiful way. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a chance to share your vulnerabilities with the IRS? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell them how you really feel. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, there's, I don't know what people conjure up in their head when they think of sharing vulnerabilities, say with a partner, maybe they go to the worst case scenarios. Maybe they don't. But, um, you know, I was reading that quote to you earlier about stripping naked and sharpened knives and all that. You don't have to start with the big stuff like stripping naked, (laughs) you know, you start small small. when somebody says, how are you? You can go, "Mm, not so good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Actually, exactly. When somebody asks you how you are, tell them how you really are. Right. You don't have to make a federal case out of it, but that's practice right there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in my opinion, please and thank you are actually perfect examples of vulnerabilities that are strength. I'm just trying to frame it for, for people so that they realize this is not some big, you know, tear down the house kind of vulnerability. Asking um, please essentially admits your desire for help and it's a reaching out to somebody. And thank you is an acknowledgement that somebody's you know, they've met that need and you're maybe momentarily beholden to them. And it's a kind of vulnerability in itself, but both of them strengthen bonds between people, basic please. And thank you. I got another one. The what? Big one for me, honey, you are actually right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, that's a big one for me. Like to actually the vulnerability go, you know, honey, you are actually right. I was Absolutely. Wrong. Yeah. But what does that communicate to a partner when you say that? I know what, what it communicates when she does it to me is the aspect of that. Um, I, you can actually not have to put on your airs or that mm. you can actually give in to seeing me and that you're acknowledging oh. me. And uh-huh. so it feels really good to be acknowledged. You were right. right. I'm acknowledging that, that you had a good point or what you said was correct. I'm not going to, yeah let my ego get involved with without recognizing you. Yeah. I remember having a therapist say to me once, Greg, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be close? Mm. <laughs> and what, 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 did, what did you choose? Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but that really, he, he really just kind of, um, 
you know, right, brought it down to the basics for me. Yeah. You know, I remember him saying to me once also, it was like, oh, great, you won. Where's your trophy? Exactly. The booby prize. Another one is just an apology. Mm. Uh, An I'm sorry is a vulnerability that's a strength. And I'm thinking of a very particular incident that clarified this for me in a way no other apology I have ever expressed or, or witnessed has. And that was the the look of satisfaction. Uh, no, it wasn't even satisfaction. It was astonishment that I saw on my mother's face when my grandmother, her ex-mother-in-law, apologized for, as she put it, all the things I did to you during the years that you were married to my father. Mm-hmm. And they were standing at the front door of my uncle's house where we had all come together as a family after my father's funeral. I just watched my mother's mouth drop open. Her eyes immediately fill up with tears. And she said, I never thought I would live long enough to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. And that to me, vulnerability as strength, peacemaking, soul restoring, in that case, ice melting, <laughs> And that's just, to me, that's a beautiful example of a vulnerability that is builds strength and love into a relationship. I mean, hell, you and I are both speakers and teachers. We know this, right? You reveal personal anecdotes about your own life, some personal vulnerabilities. Doesn't it kind of build your credibility rather than diminish it? Well, I think so. Hopefully my listeners are, are saying that, that that's one reason why they listen to my podcast is that I don't hide behind some expert cushion chair, that I mm. come out with my vulnerabilities and they can relate to me. And so, yeah, I think it's a tremendous strength right. to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody asks, raises their hand in one of your your you know classes or one of my callings classes and they ask you a question and you you say, you know, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. What I don't know is I think it boosts my credibility in people's minds, but it allows me to turn my energies toward learning something that I don't know rather than pretending to know it. Yeah. Here's another one. Asking for what you want is vulnerable because you may not get it. Right. You know, but, you know, even let's let's talk intimate. How about telling somebody what you want romantically or sexually? You know, you're, you're taking a heck of a chance, especially when you're literally naked, um, that somebody might think it's kinky or weird or un- make them uncomfortable, but they may not. They may say, sure, I'm willing to try that. And then you you get the experience of helping to educate a loved one about what you want and what you need and teaching them how to please you and understand you. Yeah, which so many couples need to do more of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because that and fear then, of rejection, it's a fear of rejecting, being rejected for who yeah. we are or our, like our desires. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I don't know, my own experience and I've got, I've got my own armory inside my head of, of all the reasons why I should not be vulnerable. I had good tutors in that department. But my experience way more often than not is that when I take the chance to express some kind of a vulnerability, what I receive back is love and mm. and appreciation. And even when they don't want to really hear it, they say, I, this is very uncomfortable for me, but I really appreciate, I'd rather know it than not. Yeah, that that's one, right? Yeah, we get to hear that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and I get the experience of 
being seen and known, I, I get I get the experience of knowing that I'm loved for who I am rather than who I'm pretending to be. And I imagine then that makes you want to be more of who you are and not exactly. Yeah, it's it's definitely a self-reinforcing thing to do. It, it definitely makes me want to do it more. And then the other person, like you said, gives them permission to do it too. And then you've got a kind of a call and response thing going on that's really groovy, where you're continually deepening the trust and the safety between you. And really, the relationship can become a sanctuary and a refuge rather than the place you're not so sure you should let your guard down in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that. Right. I remember at Esalen, we were doing this exercise about getting up and showing some vulnerability. And there was a a woman, a young woman who was very, very, very shy, Mm -hmm. hardly even spoke and, you know, wouldn't look people in the eye. And she got up on the stage and, you know, she wasn't really doing anything. And you could tell that she was really nervous and people getting a little uncomfortable. Then all of a sudden she lifts up her blouse and she flashes, you know, her breasts and then, you know, puts it down and people went nuts. They were like clapping and clapping and clapping. And she had a big smirk on her face and then she did it again and you know, clapping and clapping. And after that, her, her face just changed Uh, her demeanor changed. I mean, weeks after there was something that, she embraced some aspect of that vulnerability um, and that it got met, uh, got met with, with (laughs) you go girl, that's it. You know? Yeah. And yeah, whether, you know, people say, yeah, it's because she showed her tits not, but it was more about that. She had the guts, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That that's quite a coming out of hiding, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know, the beauty of this is that there's actually good old fashioned science behind the truth that, that revealing is healing. There's, Mm. you know, one of the guys I ran across and actually, I think it was writing the callings book uh, is a guy named James Pennebaker. And he did all these studies back in the eighties at Southern Methodist university in Texas. And he's, he pioneered something called writing therapy. And what he did is he, he had students write about either, superficial experiences or deep emotional, even traumatic experiences. And the ones who wrote about the deepest thoughts and feelings about a trauma showed a 50% drop in visits to the university health center. Hmm. Literally revealing is healing, you know, and I think, and then there's this beautiful book, love and survival subtitled the scientific basis for the healing power of intimacy this is a book by the doctor, uh, Dr. Dean Ornish, full of the science of intimacy and why vulnerability is physically a strength. And I, and part of it, I just know from my own experience, inhibition takes effort. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's how easy it is to see with a like somebody like the shy person you just described, but inhibition takes a lot of effort. Holding up defenses is is physical labor Oof. and it's draining. Yeah. And part of the science of this book, Love and Survival, is showing that the constant vigilance that's required to inhibit self-expression actually weakens the immune system, heart system, and nervous systems, and of course puts people at risk for disease. Didn't you, didn't we have a conversation a while ago that you were telling me about like spontaneous remission, like some people that had these, you know, terminal diseases when they let go and actually, 
you know, did some things, were vulnerable in their life of doing their truth, that all of a sudden they had these spontaneous remission healings? Yes. Mm. I, that's right. We did have that conversation. And um, a lot of those were confessions of one kind or another, ah. it, it literally admitting to a crime you committed or admitting your love for a long standing relationship or uh, infidelity, of, probably holding on to an infidelity. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, see, that's amazing to me that you mentioned that because confession, I think it's possible it's a universal human urge <laughs> to mm. confess things, but it's definitely an important part of the therapeutic world. And the religious and even the legal processes, you know, um, the reconciliation commissions that they had after apartheid ended that helped um, you know, to really do some healing in that culture. Uh, the Catholic Church calls confession the sacrament of reconciliation. And of course, your entire field. Yeah. <laughs> and, you can make and frankly, money off of that, too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You know, the entire self-help movement itself is all about right. people's hunger to unburden themselves in some way and get a fresh start. Right. And I'm, I'm just thinking of Alcoholics Anonymous. I love this, this little factoid. Alcoholics Anonymous has licensed the 12-step model to over 600 different kinds of groups. And everybody who comes into one of these 12-step type programs introduces himself or herself with a vulnerability Every single introduction starts with, hi, I'm Brad, I'm an alcoholic. Right. And that's yeah. part of the healing process, the beginning of it right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting to me. Yeah. It is so interesting because I know as a therapist, when, when somebody is really divulging and expressing their vulnerability, I have such tremendous respect, even whatever that subject is in some way, mm. even if it's kind of like maybe, I don't want to say the word repulsive, but like mm. horrific or whatever it is. It's no. like, no, what, what, what overrides that was like, wow, you're being, you're being real. You know, you're that, not covering what makes my work harder and actually creates more distress for me is working through the defenses of somebody's building on against their vulnerability mm. as opposed to working with their vulnerability right trying yeah. to dismantle it rather than mm -hmm. so, so if you I'm know doing that, that if i'm doing that as a therapist what are people doing in their relationships right exactly. it's kind of like right like like we said you know in relationships there is a time and place and so forth but in some way you know that it's a true and viable relationship when you can go there and it takes up so much of the repressed energy yeah. in a relationship when yeah. it's when it's moved and expressed you and i started off that way if i remember mm. really mm. early on in our relationship i remember maybe i was like the first time i was ever actually at your house you took me down to the river that's in your backyard and you showed me shared with me the grave site of your daughter who died uh, shortly after childbirth and and I remember being astonished that you were sharing a vulnerability of that magnitude with me, you know, in a sense on, on a first date. The hell of a first date with it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I just remember being really moved hmm. by your willingness to share that with me and that we were going to kind of set the tone for that relationship right off the bat. Uh, I don't know exactly what was going through your mind when you did that, but I remember being impressed by it and moved by it. I think, you know, yeah, I, I think part of it was, it was 
kind of fresh a few years mm-hmm. and there was part of me that this is this is still who i am like this grief is still in me i want this person can this friend know me in this way because it might come up and in, in different ways and yeah. so i don't know if it was a conscious test but i wanted to like it was my emotional show and tell in in some way and uh right. a part of me that also through the vulnerability of of our daughter's death there was a tremendous amount of strength that came from it. And I think I wanted to share that also, because mm, I think wow. as I told you the story of the embracing of the strength, yes. in, you know, building, building her, you know, digging her grave, building her casket, getting her out of the hospital from an autopsy, all kinds of things created a lot of strength in my life. And so I wanted to, I think, express my vulnerability mm. in my strength. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like attracts like, strength attracts strength. Mm -hmm. I think there's something, you know, surprising that we've had this conversation for 45 minutes already about vulnerability and not once mentioned the person who's the most famously associated with the study of vulnerability these days, Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. you know, and her book, Daring Greatly and a few others. But what's interesting about what you just shared is that her work found that vulnerability feels like weakness when it's experienced on the inside of us, but it looks like courage when it's experienced from the outside looking in. In other words, when we see it in somebody else, we're inspired. And that was the impact that, that that share of yours had on me. And Mm. maybe more generally the impact that, the sharing of vulnerability can have on other people. It's when we look at it from the outside in other people, it's inspiring to us. Mm, And I just think that's a really powerful thing to notice. And, and when we have that in relationships, especially if we have a foundation of it, knowing that if we experienced it once, we can always go back to it. And that that's what I love about it. Like once I know that I share a vulnerability with somebody and I'm being met, it's kind of like, cool. The, the, the doors are open. I can mm. now be vulnerable again oh. and again and again. Oh and God. You know, it's beautiful uh, about that. Mm. Um, I have heard of this. Um, I can't remember where I heard this, but I've, I've heard therapists refer to what they call a confiding relationship, that it's important to have a confiding relationship where there's enough trust to allow you to speak your mind or reveal your heart. And I think that's partly what you were starting to helping us to establish early on as a confiding relationship. Like this is, this is how deep you and I can go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of setting the standard here is I'm okay. Going to these kind of places. Are yeah. you, there you go. Right. You know, yeah. and um, of course, you know, the rub about creating a confiding relationship to say nothing of taking advantage of the healing power of the thing is you've got to actually confide. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you've got to reveal things that many people might be, you know, it's like, you didn't know that I wasn't going to be freaked out by, you know, a grave site or a, you know, there's a dead body under there or it's too vulnerable. I I can't even go there. You didn't know what my response was going to be, but you were willing to step out into that unknown and confide and I think it was really like relationship building in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
So thank you so much for for meeting me there and how you were and and mm. and you didn't shy away from it. You gave me space to talk about it. You were asking questions, and every time that I would mention um, that experience or her, you knew it was sacred. Just like every time I would mm. talk about my relationship with my son Xander, like yeah. you you know how important that relationship is to me in my in my life, and you yeah. totally hold that space to want to hear everything and share my triumphs of it. Right. Yeah. Oh, and there's a perfect example right there of the power of vulnerability. That kid is freaking amazing in terms of his ability to express his heart. Yeah. And to share his most inner self. And, and, you know, it's like the apple and the tree doesn't fall far from the tree routine, but he has grown up in this milieu that you and, and Rainbow have created around safety and self-expression and honesty and vulnerability, and he's gifted at it. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the letters you cool. shared with me that he's written to you on Father's Day and the kind of feedback he gives you about things. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we reap what we sow and vulnerability builds trust and safety. And that's the kind of child you raised. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he's an and amazing again, what, what's so beautiful about that too, is when I do share that with you, I feel again that you're, you're meeting me and you want to, you want to know me. There's not something mm. about all of a sudden you make it about you and, or, you know, mm. you're, you, you, you dive more into um, what it's like for me and just that reinforcement that you gave mm. me just now. It's, it's beautiful. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. You're, you're most welcome. Mm. You know, I, I know, I just know for myself how hard it has been to learn the the fine and fearsome art of being vulnerable with all kinds of different people and different relationships. And I remember vividly during couples counseling years ago with my ex, and this is during a time when I was struggling really hard to learn to default to vulnerability rather than anger or defensiveness which were my, you know, go-tos at the time. I, I remember in one session, I got really frustrated with my lack of progress. And the therapist said, hey, you need to see yourself as a child learning to walk, Greg. Hmm. If your kid falls down a hundred times, you pick him up, you keep encouraging him. You don't say, what a weenie. I can't believe you can't figure this out. And besides, he said, we're talking about learning how to walk on two feet. We're talking about going from crawling on all fours to walking upright. How long did it take humanity to figure that out? He said a couple of million years, this kid's learning in a couple of months. He said, yeah, yeah, it feels superhuman to you right now, but it's not. People can do it. You can do it. He said, Wow. and I was, I just wanted to share that because I know how daunting it can be to go from a default position of anger and defensiveness to one of vulnerability. And, um, and what you're talking about too is adding, and that takes compassion, right? It's like then having self-compassion for that right. process right? with vulnerability. And I think that that's one thing that when I have self-compassion for myself and my vulnerability, it creates a strength. When I have judgment and shame about my vulnerability, then it, it, it doesn't mm. allow itself to turn into strength. Right. Mm. 
So yeah, compassion, the same kind of compassion you were describing when you were talking about the woman in one of the re retreats who's standing up there being terrified and scared and everybody revealing their deepest vulnerabilities in front of a group of people they don't know. Hmm. And, but when they do, your heart opens up. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, we need to have some compassion for ourselves for this is hard human work yeah. um, in a culture that's just armored up to the teeth Right. bristling with defenses of every kind, messages everywhere that say big boys don't, you know, um, to, to learn how to be vulnerable. Yeah. So I think that, that when we're on the receiving end of somebody's vulnerability, I think we really need to pause in the intention of what mm. kind of response that we want to give, you know, instead mm. of saying, you did what? You know, the aspect mm. of we know that that first response wow. is either going to create more openness and trust or can create a shutdown. Shut down. So all your parents out there, be really, really aware of the wow. kind of responses that you give. And of course, you partners and lovers, when your partner comes to you with a vulnerability, how you respond to that is going to be indicative of how your connection and that trust building is going to be after that. Right. Exactly. And what you're likely to get back when it's your turn to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A anything recently in your relationship with Cindy that's coming up around how you're expressing your, your vulnerability? Yeah. Constantly it seems, but that's because we've kind of actually up leveled it to a, a conscious agreement. I would almost say commitment is catch stuff while it's small and say what we're feeling in a moment, catch it when it's the small stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're, let me see, uh, I can think of a very recent one. I can't remember what inspired me to do this, but I shared with her a whole list of things that I feel disappointed about my life around. Just my own disappointments, uh, whether they're career disappointments, relationship disappointments, um, disappointments in myself or what I've achieved or not achieved at this point in the game. And I just spent like 20 minutes sitting out on the back deck with her one morning with a cup of coffee, just sharing disappointments. And it was crazy hard to get to some of them. Mm -hmm. And a uh, voice in the back of my head saying, I cannot believe you are saying this out loud. Mm -hmm. And I just felt great to do it at the same time. It's like, I just want to be known. I just really want to be seen and known and known that I'm loved for who I really am, especially since I've got a, a public persona. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think it may be even a little bit harder for people yeah. who have a public persona. Whether I vouch you're, for that. Right? For that. Yep. You're, mm -hmm. you're um, in the public eye, you're a teacher or you're a um, speaker or a workshop leader or the therapist that be well you you have that exactly. issue with your wife yeah. mm -hmm. exactly and just to admit to some of those things to somebody and i got to have the experience of being beautifully received you didn't um, have to wait till you do you on your deathbed there you go no oh my yeah. god i don't want to do that i want deathbed revelations i want revelations now yeah I mean, yeah. So uh, I loved the experience of having a really impeccable eye contact, just leaning forward, listening to me, and then feeding me back to me. 
So here's some of what I heard you say and, and thanking me for it. And fortunately, and this is beautiful, not rescuing me from my discomfort. Mm. I think that's a, a skill in, a, in being with somebody who's being vulnerable. Don't try to save them from themselves. Don't try to say, oh, me too. Let me tell you about the time that happened to me. Or right. well, uh, you'll get I, over it. You're, you're really good. Exactly. You're Exactly. You're strong. Or mm. not. Or even I still love you. Don't even don't don't rescue them. Yeah. Just say, wow, that was really courageous of you to share that with me. Thank you. Yeah. And let it be. Don't the temptation to rush in to try to make somebody feel better when they're being vulnerable is enormous. Uh, I, I love that. I, I was disclosing something to a friend a while ago, many years ago. And I remember him looking at me and just going, Hey man, like I don't have a solution to your problem, but man, I really admire it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just remember like looking at him going, Oh man, like that's, that's really cool. I love that. You know, like, yeah, it's a doozy, isn't it? Like he wasn't trying to, he just like, Whoa, that's a fucking big problem that you yeah. got there. You go boy. You know? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And tough to not want to, I mean, it's wonderful. It's one of the nice human impulses to want to comfort others. Yeah. It's a beautiful gesture, but it isn't always the most useful or appropriate. You know, I, I, I've certainly been in my share of, personal growth workshops where the the facilitator literally said to people, okay, if you notice there's tissue boxes all around the room, there's a reason for that. There's going to be crying. There's going to be breaking down. There's going to be breakthroughs. There's going to be all kinds of emotional stuff flying around. I'm going to encourage you to rein yourself in and don't immediately touch somebody who's, who's crying or, or immediately hand them a tissue or, uh, wrap your arms around it because that can short circuit their process. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you know that as a therapist is, yeah. but it's a, it's a lovely impulse nonetheless to want to comfort others, but something very powerful. I'm speaking for myself, very powerful about just being left alone to share my disappointments with my own life without somebody trying to distract me from it by saying, um, Oh, but look at all the great things you've achieved and accomplished. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. Yeah. So <laughs> then I really messed up that time that I think it was your birthday and you were really vulnerable and I bought you two desserts to to help you wipe away some of that. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? You were, well, you were like really there are exceptions to that rule <laughs> I just made. You were really down and everything. Hey man, you know what? Go ahead and have that. You can have another ten dollar piece of that chocolate cake. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I do remember that. Yeah. 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 But I think the but, timing in that was really good that I did that. I think that that's what you needed. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's Sweet. a funny memory. You know, uh, I remember you telling me the story of, I think it was your friend Adley who was sharing appreciations or telling you how much he loved you. And you were kind of maybe batting it off a little bit. And he, you, this is the way you mimed it. He got down on his knees in front of you. And he put both his hands on your knees and looked up in your face and said, no, dude, you're not really hearing this. I love you. Mm. And here's why. Do you remember sharing this with me? Yeah. Yeah. And then he told me he, and I was squirming and everything. And he, yeah. and he goes, Hey man, you got a little work to do. Take that. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Saying yeah. it to the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> that was years ago, folks, and I got really good. At, <laughs> right. I got really good at. I mean, I got good enough. And what, what, one was one uh, one of your birthdays. I like sent you like twenty or thirty appreciation. Read, oh, you didn't just send it to me. I, I read it to you. Yeah, yeah. 
right? And that's yep. vulnerable. That was vulnerable to to do that, like not to just send it in the letter, but exactly. actually read it to you. Yeah, exactly. And mm. it was really vulnerable to listen to it. Mm. Yeah. It's just it's sometimes really hard to take in when the vulnerabilities that somebody is sharing with you is how much they love you and appreciate you. I remember There's saying one. to to yeah. our my friend uh, Barry in Asheville, when I was going to be leaving town, I said, God, I wish I could just skip over the part where I have to say goodbyes to people. Mm. And she said, well, Greg, maybe you'll have to really just kind of accept how much you're loved. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I was surprised how hard that was to just, under those circumstances, that's part of what people are going to share with you as, as you did is this, how much they're going to miss me or how much they love and appreciate me. And, and I'm, I'm amazed at this point, as hungry as I always seem to be for, for appreciations and for accolades and for great evaluations, how squirmy I can get around people sharing their love with me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another end that we didn't spend a lot of time in, but receiving vulnerability, yeah. the, the receiving of it, how vulnerable is it? Isn't, didn't you tell me, you, you always talk about, take your fucking applause, get up there take and your take your applause. applause. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. I was, I was taught that by a public speaking teacher of mine is take your applause. Don't turn your back on the audience right at the end. Yeah. Don't, don't pack up your guitar and turn your back and do all that. Stand there for a few seconds and take it in. Yeah. Don't, you put, your hand you up. Want don't it. put your hand up and tell them it's okay. It's okay. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You just put your hand up and actually uh, tell them more, more, more. <laughs> more exactly. <laughs> but there it is. It's hard yeah. to receive that as much as we claim to want it and act like we want it to actually receive it. Yeah. Whole other story. Yeah. Man, this was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Thank Great you. Topic. Thank you. Great topic. <laughs> yeah. As always, brother. Um, yeah. I love transversing these topics with you. And, yep. and uh, I really appreciate the the level of vulnerability of our friendship and where we can mm. go with it and how it brings us so much closer all the time. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. And uh, and for what it's worth, I love and appreciate the work you're doing in the world through this podcast. Mm. Really, Thank just you. such good work in the world. Thank you. And yeah. I still have our recording when we were in the car three years ago when I told huh. you my idea and brainstorming it how how supportive <sighs> you were with it and. We didn't end up going to see the movie. We ended up talking more about it. So you yep. were a big part of it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was one of my shining moments, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All Thank right, you, man. Thanks again. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And I told you that if you waited to the end, that you would hear an exciting announcement. And yeah, this is part of my revealing is healing and, and vulnerability. But it's the good kind. It's the life-affirming kind. So since I started this podcast two years ago, I have recorded and aired 128 episodes. And if you've listened to all of them, wow, good on you. And if you haven't, no worries. You got lots of time to do that. Because I think, I'm going to just say this, I think that there's a lot of juicy ones. I'm really, really proud of our work on this podcast. So, I decided that I am going to change the format where I am going to be airing two podcasts a month instead of every week. So that will be on the first week and the third week of the month. This will give you time to catch up 
on all the other episodes. And also what this does, it frees me up to spend more time on relationships. Let's learn about it, which is the educational part to this podcast that I've been wanting to put together and to offer you. I have some guided meditations right now, but I'm going to put more of my full focus on guided audio practices. And these will be practices and skills based on various past podcast topics. So many of you have told me that you've really enjoyed these podcasts like The Power of Appreciation or The Art of Apology, Transforming the Inner Critic, Setting Boundaries, but you also want to know how to implement that in your life. So through these guided audio practices, I am going to show you. I'm going to guide you ways to do that practically in your day-to-day relationships. I will be putting them up on my website, prepo.com, on the Relationships Let's Learn About It section, the guided audio practices as I finish that. So I will be loading them at various times, starting with my bread and butter, the focus of appreciations. I love that one, and I want to give you the gift of really making it a mainstay and the power of that in your relationships. So all of this will start in February. I will do two podcasts on the first week of February and the third week of February and so on. And the guided audio practices will be available for purchase on my website as they become available. I'm really excited about this decision so that I can really allocate my time that best serves me and you. Okay, everybody, thanks again for listening. And I truly believe that that saying, world peace begins at home. We all know what's going on in the world and we need this so deeply. What can we do? Write what's next close to us, our relationships right in our home. We need to transform those to be sustaining, healthy, and thriving in order to change the world. It starts right with us and the people around us. Mm. Alrighty. Now, I love you all, and make yourselves a beautiful day. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. 